Madera Companies, welcome back to Touch Base. Uh, we are in for a treat today. I'm excited to have my friend on, Corey Powell, as we continue this conversation of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, Corey is a director in Texas Tech University's Office of Institutional Diversity. We've been doing that for a while now. Yes, uh, why don't you go ahead and give us a, well, first, welcome to the show. So it's great to have you. Glad to be here. And uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, we know each other. Tell them a little bit about you. And, well, and keep I'm going. Corey Powell, and I'm honored to be with you. Um, I am uh, a native of San Antonio. Okay. Um, graduated high school and had, well, I was during my senior year. I didn't know where I was going to go to school. I was just mm-hmm. kind of, I wanted to go. I was a musician. I, I guess I am still a musician <laughs> in my brain. Um, <laughs> and I wanted to go. Uh, my, my marching style, my band, my high school band was very similar to like Florida and M. Gremlin State. And so I wanted to go. I didn't know, didn't know anything about out-of-state tuition. I quickly learned. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> at that point, um, coming from a single parent at home, um, limited resources, I was fortunate enough to have a scholarship um, that, could, uh, that allowed me to go anywhere, but it wasn't, you know, going to cover everything. And so financial aid. Um, and other resources were going to be necessary. And so cost was certainly a, a, a point of, of concern for me. Yeah. And I uh, was just applying to schools and not sure where I wanted to go and ended up talking to my high school English teacher, my 12th grade English teacher, Miss Gail Snyder. Okay. Um, I, I say her name often because she's the reason I'm in Lubbock, Texas. Okay. Solely on her recommendation, I applied to Texas Tech. She was... Um, from here, or at least at attended tech. And um, she said to me, I think you should look at Texas Tech. It's far enough away from home where you have your independence, close enough so you can get home when you want to. Mm-hmm. Proved to be the best decision. Mm-hmm. One of the best decisions of my life. Um, yeah. or after graduating, while I, was, I met my wife while she was, uh, she was stationed at the Air Force Base. Um, we met and we got um, to the point where we were like, okay, this is for real. And the base was getting ready to close. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to send us places that God don't visit. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> no, she didn't, she's from Virginia. I'm from San Antonio. She didn't want to go back to San Antonio. I didn't want to go to Virginia. And we had this moment where we said, what if this is where God wants us to be? And so at least for a period of time, mm-hmm. that period of time turned into now more than 34 years. Yeah. Worked in the community for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Big Brothers Big Sisters, Garden and Arts Center, uh, Regional Council now calling drug abuse. Mm-hmm. And eventually... Had this opportunity to come to Tech. Yeah. The very first office I worked in was uh, the Office of Cultural Diversity. And um, been at Tech now as a full-time employee over 22 years. So. Yeah. That is awesome. And I know, yeah, you, in, 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 for those who don't know you, and like I said, I, I feel kind of dumb asking you some of these questions because you and I have had so, enough conversation that I know these answers. Sure. But, I mean, you have, a, you have a beautiful family. You've been highly involved in the Lubbock community at a multitude of levels, whether it's nonprofit, whether it's the Chamber of Commerce, I mean, just different places all over. Um, One of my favorite things about you is how much you have invested sweat equity, really, in this community and making the lives of others better. And so um, it is, it's fun for me to have you on and to show off our friendship uh, to to all my, you know, coworkers and stuff. Glad to be with you. Uh, So let's let's jump into this conversation. First of all, when you get into the Office of Cultural Diversity in this profession that you're doing like now, I mean, how do you walk into that and, and just 
kind of get your bearings almost like how did you find your way because I mean this is in a lot of cases this is a relatively newish conversation to much of Absolutely. our our community now but you've been doing this for 20 years yeah um what has this journey been like for you in that that office it's been interesting because when I first started um it was a system office so my I'm fortunate to say that I have worked for directly or indirectly for every chancellor Texas Tech has had mm knew them personally, knew them by name, they knew me. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> multiple presidents over that period of time. So the Office of Cultural Diversity was founded um, and established as a part of the Texas Tech system under the first chancellor, which was John Monfort. So my boss was Vice Chancellor Kathy Allen. Um, at the time, she was the highest ranking black um, person in the tech system. Mm -hmm. And so she reported directly to him. So she had received charge because during that time, there was this need to bridge the gap between the university and the community. And so we were heavily involved in community, yeah. um, reaching out and working with nonprofits. And some of the relationships I have today started way back then. Mm -hmm. People I know today because of those connections. Yeah. Um, but so in that time, it was very different. It was new. Um, there was this challenge. Um, it was this thing that we needed to recognize that the university did a pretty good job of recruiting, but we weren't doing a great job of retaining uh, our minoritized um, students. And so we began to look at the reasons why students would leave. Um, one of those reasons was they didn't feel connected to community. Mm. I was a beneficiary of community when I got in here as a student. Um, I got connected to a church, and because of that, I got connected to people. And I'd go to the barbershop and I was asked the question like, um, so you play ball? No. You run track? No. Why are you here, right? <laughs> um, and uh, I was like, this is school. I chose to come to this school. And um, I realized that there was this disconnect. For, and, you know, just miles from the university, mm -hmm. there are kids that had never been on our campus. There are people who grew up in the city who didn't feel that tech was for them. Um, and I was like, you know, why not? You know, yeah. When I got here, they were like, well, don't go past, go, go, don't go east of Avenue A. Well, the barbershop was east of Avenue A, so I had to go east of Avenue A, right? <laughs> and I had gotten referrals to that barbershop for my barber back in San Antonio. Yeah. And so when I went into the community, I was like, this is like home. Like, mm -hmm. this is, you know, there's, it was like, you know, I was like, it wasn't like I was going to, you know, inner city Chicago. I mean, this was like nothing to be fearful here. Yeah. And so I just started hearing things and looking at the disconnect and how many students could benefit from the university mm -hmm. that weren't. And so we started working diligently um, to build relationships with community partners, individuals in our community who was doing the work, trusted individuals. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you're an outsider, you, you have to get credibility, right? You have to kind of be sponsored yeah. by someone to, to gain that credibility. And then when you build that relationship and people know that you're trustworthy, then you can go from there. Sure. And so through those connections, we begin to build trust and I began to hear. And I would I was kind of in this unique position where as a student, I was hearing things, but I was in a position to do anything about it. So by the time I'm fortunate enough to begin my work here, I can address some of those things that I heard. I can yeah. start taking Texas Tech to the community. Mm -hmm. I can start connecting the churches with the university and the students that want to perhaps come to Tech need to know of the opportunities and get them in summer camps and um, you know, uh, all of those different exposures that help them that start to serve as gateways. And so the work was very challenging in the beginning um, because people don't trust you. Mm -hmm. And the moment you tell them no, 
and they know you're uh, see you're not what you say you were. But sometimes it's we can't sponsor everything. We can't right. be at everything. But it was really the way that I became. I'm a beneficiary of community, all the way back from my high school, um, all the way back to my elementary schools, and the churches. And so, community is important to me, and I understand that for most people that matters. And so, how do we connect those two things and then build those relationships that are meaningful? And so, through the work that we started back then, when there were still very few um, resources. We were able to establish relationships and build trust, and we became the people that they called for everything. Mm-hmm. My granddaughter's thinking about coming to tech. Uh, can you talk to her? Mm-hmm. Um, hey, where can I go to get this? You know, and we became connectors, and so that just become part of my treasure chest. And then because of the work of our office and our responsibilities to be engaged in community, I got to sit on some boards and committees, really committees in the beginning. And then I got to do Leadership Lubbock um, through the Chamber of Commerce, and that opened the floodgates. And once I finished that, I was like, hey, we need this face. We need this person to come. Are you interested? And that opened so many different doors that helped to really take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. And so at some point, um, the the system said we're getting out of the student business. We're going to let that be the universities. And so I was moved from the system side to the university side and um, started a mentoring program that really put me in a position to work hands-on yeah. with students and help them in hearing their stories, mm-hmm. then being able to talk to the administrators yeah. and the decision makers to say, here's the cultural things we need to start addressing. Yeah, and you guys have done some really cool things even recently with hearing the stories of your students going back decades mm-hmm. and kind of bringing about this new cult, this new black culture center cultural sure. center on 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 campus that is it's beautiful i got a chance and a few of us from here got a chance to come celebrate with you guys at the grand opening let's talk about that for just a sure. moment what what has the black cultural center meant um to the university what has it meant to students uh who are coming from uh all over but have been uh, around tech for decades or they're here now i know the black student association was i mean they were pillars in getting Absolutely. this thing taken care of Absolutely. and getting this thing done let's talk about it for a second what has that meant to the black community in lubbock to former black uh graduates to current uh black students what, what has that meant for y'all there are, there are very few words that I can pull together that can adequately articulate what that means. Um, have, having attended the university at a time where there were a very small number, I mean, it was like 500 or so blacks when I got to tech. And so you saw each other and you were like, you knew, you knew each other's story without knowing each other, right? Um, and that doesn't seem like a lot, but when you get to a campus of 25,000 um, and you have to, you're the only black person in the classroom. Yeah. You don't, you don't have a black professor. Or, you know, you, and when I got to the residence hall, I was the only black person on my floor. It's like 53 students on the floor. I'm the only black person on the floor. Mm-hmm. And um, you, you have to build relationships. You have to learn to work with other people. But there's also that longing, right? And so I had students, uh, that high school classmates that went to HBCUs, and they were writing me and telling me all the wonderful things they were doing at Howard. And, mm-hmm. and I was at Texas Tech. It wasn't like that here. Yeah. And so... Um, to get to the point that now in 2022, we have this Black Cultural Center on campus in a very prominent place um, that is not exclusively for 
blacks. Yes. It is for everybody, yes. but it gives a space to highlight the educational experiences, the cultural and historical contributions of people that look like me. Mm -hmm. uh, that means a lot. And and I was like, okay, I've worked at tech this whole time, right? Yeah. So I've seen tech grow and you know mature and develop into what it is now. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when tech didn't have when every room had a cell had a like a line a landline phone in it, right? <laughs> like like I'm, I mean I go way back <laughs> to where everybody walked around with a cell phone, right? Um, I was working at the campus radio station when we got our first CD, mm -hmm. right? We had records before. And I didn't like, know that you were that much older oh, than bro. me. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I can be your dad, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, but I remember when we got that and what a big deal it was. So I, I have a history with the university, yeah. but I've also been very close to it. Mm -hmm. But when we opened this center, which was student-driven, yeah, um, I mean, they chose everything from the colors. They, they lobbied with the president to get it done, worked with all of the administrators to make sure it was there. We were able to get the library to put a branch of the library there. So it's academically focused. It's not a hangout spot. It's not a student union, but it is a place for them to come and study and uh, enrich and for others to come yeah. and, and learn and grow. Um, the thing that really struck me was when we shared the information about it and we heard from alumni who graduated in the 60s and the 70s. Mm -hmm. And we had someone to come back for the grand opening and the Black Alumni Reunion Weekend that happened simultaneously, who had not been to Lubbock in 49 years. Yeah. 46 years. Mm -hmm. And for them to talk about what tech was like yeah. then, and, and to see tears in their eyes, mm -hmm. I was like, wow, we're part of this. Yeah. Like doing something that really enriches the culture. Mm -hmm. And the main thing I think it says is that you matter. Yeah. I think a lot of what we talk about in terms of diversity, equity, and inclusion is about value. Like you belong here, mm -hmm. you matter here. Yeah. Um, and as I was thinking about this, um, this thought came to my mind, right? So if you and your wife invite my wife and I to your house for, for dinner, we come in, you're gonna politely let us know where we sit. Mm -hmm. um, and there are parts of the house that we will have access to. Um, like here's the restroom, you know, this mm -hmm. is where we, um, the den or the, the family room or whatnot, and that's, that's we're guests. Mm -hmm. um, but when I'm at my house, the house belongs to me. Right. <laughs> I have access to every part of my house. I don't have to have permission to go into this room. I don't have to have permission to be in this space. One of the things I think we have to understand with Dee and I is really about saying you belong here. Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's the work that we're working to say, whether it's about ethnicity or gender or orientation or disability or whatnot. Is you matter and you are valued. Mm -hmm. So the cultural center and the cultural centers are about belonging. And those centers will likewise be student-driven, student-focused, that will have programming and educational opportunities for students. But the key about the centers is not just for our students and our faculty, but also for community. Mm -hmm. So it's really meant to intentionally invite others in yeah. because we learn from each other. It's a shared experience. Yep. This is not a journey that can be had in silos, mm -hmm. right? And my existence does not threaten your existence. We can, we can celebrate and grow collectively yeah. uh, and in a unified way. You know, the language we want to use around here is what does it look like for us to be for 
each other, to be for our customers, right. to be for our residents, to right. be for our communities. Right. Um, when you think about that, how does that hit you? What things do you think about? Because we're not, again, we're not talking tolerate. Sure. We're talking about being actively for each other. Yes. What does that look like to you? Well, I mean, I think, uh, you know, the word allyship, right? Um, okay. It means I'm a supporter of, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm championing you. I'm, I'm cheering you on. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to cheer me on, but it's a different to champion my cause. Mm. Okay. Right? So I like to think of it more as co-conspirators. We okay. are partners. Yeah. Right? Like I can see you carry the table and be like, good job, Dave. Good job. Uh, Josh, good job. J- Jim, good job. You're doing a good job. Keep keep it up. You get it done. Or I can come up with my hands on it and say, let me help you move this. Mm-hmm. We could move it together. I'm going to use my strengths, my resources. You're going to use yours, and we can get it moved quicker. It's a little easier. Yeah. And so often when we talk about DNI, um, the job seems to be one person's job. But if we're really for people, then we recognize their inherent value. We recognize that they have struggles. Mm-hmm. We recognize that it's. I don't have to... Um, walk in your shoes to know it's probably heavy to carry that table by yourself. Yeah. Um, my lived experiences says, mm, we probably get this done a whole lot quicker. We, mm-hmm. right. So everything in this room could be moved. If we had to do it individually, we could get it done. It would take us a while, but we get it done. Um, if you and I came together and said, let's knock this out, we get it done quicker. Mm-hmm. My daughter is an expert on telling me that I should help her clean her room. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'm like, I don't live in there and I don't do that, right? I didn't do that. That's you. But the point is we can get it done quicker if you help me. Right. And I think when you say you're for me, it means that you are going to put your efforts, your strength, and your wisdom to the plow. Mm-hmm. And not just say, keep going, man. You yeah. got this. There are times when we need encouragers. And then there are times when we need co-conspirators. Mm-hmm. People that will get their hands dirty. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, I appreciate that thought. Because I think the other part of what you're getting at, and, and it's not just, we're not just moving a table to move a table, to use your, your analogy. Like, there's a mission behind what we're trying to Absolutely. accomplish. And I think... When I see your inherent value and you see my inherent value, we work towards creating societies, workplaces, where that's that's what we do. Absolutely. And and I think that that's the interesting thing about uh, about this whole conversation about what it means to be for another person is I, I think a lot of it is we're entering into relationships with self-preservation mm-hmm. as maybe the starting place mm-hmm. instead of community. We're going to win together. Yeah. The point is that everyone should feel valued and seen and mm-hmm. heard no matter what that journey is. And yeah. when the, we come to the workplace, because we want people to be their most productive, mm-hmm. we want to be the most effective, we want to be the most efficient. Yeah. Well, if I feel valued and seen and heard and cared for, respected, yeah. I'm probably going to be a better employee than if I don't. Yeah, and I, I and, and a part of that is, and this, and we've got to get to this thought process because I think this is a massive one that oftentimes we we have this like zero sum game thought process, which is if you step forward, if you get something, if something goes well for you, it means I lost something. Instead of understanding that every step forward for you is a step forward for all of us, everybody. And, yes. If yes. I win, you win. If you win, yes. I win. We're together. Yeah. 
And then we don't have this competition that's negative, right? I'm pushing you to your best. You're pushing me to my best. I'm helping you. I'm speaking up for you. Yeah. And we as males have to do that for our female counterparts mm -hmm. because they are paid um, disproportionately in most cases than we are, right? Mm -hmm. When I walk into the room, I recognize that I being a big black man, I'm going to get certain level of attention. And with my staff and, and those that I work with, I often have to, I almost have to take a step back and push them up. And I had a staff member who really helped me one day, um, and we're talking about opportunities. And she said, you're not going anywhere. And I don't see a path for me. Mm. And it really helped me to realize I need to do a better job of helping her because she wasn't wrong. Yeah. Um, I needed to help prepare her for her next, even if that's not with me, because I want her to succeed. I yeah. want her to win. I want her to be her best. I, and we do people a disservice if we keep them in pockets because they're convenient, mm -hmm. right? It's self-serving. That's not what we should be doing. Yeah, I did a, I did some, I got to spend some time when this comes out. It, this won't make sense, but a few days ago, I got to spend some time with our our team in 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 Houston and the Madera residential team, and we talked about career paths and we talked mm -hmm. about you know women and in a lot of cases in a lot of industries with a lot of companies that they're not being paid. Uh, the way that men are being paid, and it was it was interesting, and it was uh, encouraging to me to see again, like th that stuff matters to them, and I know it matters to my boss, and I know it matters to my bosses here, um, that we are the type of place where, you know, we're not going to pay women a certain way and pay right. men a certain way. We're going to pay a job a certain way, Absolutely. and we're going to pay expertise a certain Absolutely. way, um, and that's how we do it. And, and that's then, how you become four, right? Yes. Because and if you notice that there is a discrepancy, it's your responsibility yes. as person who is in power, position, or who has privilege mm -hmm. to speak up for mm -hmm. and speak out against yeah. those injustices, right? So I can't see you hurting and be like, I got you, friend. Hang in there. But I don't go talk to the people that made you feel that way. Right. Or that I don't try to use my influence, my power. Mm -hmm. And there are things that we can't control. Yeah. Right. That's and true. sometimes it's just acknowledging, like, I'm sorry, I have no power here, but I want you to know. I'm and I winning. can empathize. I can empathize. Yes. And I am the person. And the moment, if you want to go forward, I'm going with you. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can help coach them and you can use your, your, your experience and your voices to help them. Sometimes it's helping to understand the other side. Mm -hmm. So when you are kind of in the middle management, you have to help. Those above you to understand those that are subordinate as your position and, and, and like likewise, well, here's where we're coming from. Here's what we can do. How can we find this way to move together?